Hi, everybody. It's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm a vestibular audiologist and I'm a neuroplasticity therapist. And I take great interest in supporting my community of Rocksteady members <clears throat> who have experienced chronic invisible symptoms that the medical world are a bit stumped by. And they've heard lots of things like, you know, this can't be cured. You've got to live with your dizziness or your vertigo or your tinnitus. And they've decided to take a different approach, which is the path of self-kindness and compassion and learning about the science of neuroplasticity. So I wrote this book, Rocksteady, for my members as an educational resource to help them understand a little bit more, more about this science. And a lot of people say to me, Joey, why is no one teaching me this? Why didn't my doctor tell me this? You know, why didn't my 10 specialists tell me this? Why didn't my physio tell me this? And I think the simple answer is, A, they probably don't have time. I mean, it took me nine months to write this book. So they probably didn't have time to really give you all of the information. But also neuroplasticity is something we experience in our body. It's not something we just read in a book. Um, it's not theoretical. It's not academic. It's something we pause, stop and feel. It's something we choose to embody. It's, it really changes us physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. And the chances are that our health professionals and doctors and our medical team have studied the neuroscience and they understand how synapses connect and they understand neurons and they understand the basic concepts of mapping of the brain, but they will have no idea how to implement an active experiential practice of neuroplasticity. And they'll have no idea how to guide you through a home practice of changing those synapses on neural networks. So that bit takes life experience and practice which we'll talk about because today I'm going to introduce you to Maple from the US who's read my book, who's gone through the process and has a really lovely perspective to share with you on finding hope and healing. So Maple, welcome and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, Joey. Yeah, so do you want to share a little bit? You just told me um, before the recording came on that you started with benign paroxysmal positional vertigo which really perplexed you and was very expensive was hard to diagnose was difficult to treat and then of course had the very normal attached anxiety and you explained almost like a PTSD like a post-traumatic stress response which again is really normal when our whole life is disrupted and there's no clear answers or quick treatments um, so do you want to speak a little bit about how you found the Rocksteady book and just want to say, start straight up by saying BPPV by nature is benign. That's what the, the name stands for, benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, and it is treatable. But for some people, they find it very difficult to learn about treatments or find treatments. And so therefore, they can live with it for decades. But it's reversible. It's avoidable. It's treatable. It's actually the best type of dizziness to have. And I've personally had it twice. So it's covered in the book. But um, yeah, that, that one's actually not a typically a chronic condition but what can happen is it can throw our lives into such disarray that it can lead to chronic invisible symptoms of perceptual postural positional dizziness triple pd so we go from bppv to triple pd and that's when we just feel like we're walking in a fog or this astronaut feeling or like this chronic jet lag or hangover that just doesn't end and it's very disconcerting and um, so Maple kind of stumbled across my book, I think, with that scenario, which I'm sure many listeners can relate to. But do you want to speak a little bit about what you were feeling about that kind of tricky and expensive diagnostic process with all the machinery and then how my book came into it and how my book helped you? 
did I lose you? Sorry. Um, sorry, can you repeat the last question? Must have been an internet that stopped a little oh, no. bit. So I was just <laughs> going to say, are you able to explain a little bit about your, you had like a quirky, expensive diagnostic process, which was a bit traumatic with the machines. And then how you stumbled across my book and how my book ended up helping you. Um, well, before the big machine, I actually went through a whole long stages because right after the BPPB, it was terrifying. And I went to my doctor. He's like, oh, you probably, he did say you probably have the BPPV. Don't worry, it's going to just go away. Go home. Um, mm -hmm. But if, you're, if you want to, here are two YouTube links to follow so you could get rid of it. And I did that. It didn't help. Uh, what I didn't know, it's, it's probably not very easy to do it yourself. If you don't know how to do the exact angles at times. So I must have done it wrong slightly. So it never fixed me. But the part that most bothered me like I told my acupuncturist was I felt like there were two dizziness going on. Mm. One that is complete spinning. That doesn't happen very often, but more so the second one, which is kind of like, like when I just got off a boat or a long plane ride and that didn't go away, it drove me crazy. And I remembered my acupuncturist saying, Oh, you can, you know, just ignore it for a while. It'll go away. But it didn't because that's what I think about every morning. When I first wake up in the morning, is it mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. And it's there it, when I'm working, when I'm walking, when I'm walking, it's a little better usually, but mm -hmm. it just, it's always there. And then I started getting really nervous. So I, I it's all these, I have panic attacks over it. Um, I went to a psychiatrist who gave me pills. I went to therapists who talked me into calming myself down. It just wouldn't go away. Um, and it was very devastating until I find this those uh, a specialist in dizziness who did once again said you have BPPV after giving you know putting those goggles on and sitting me in this rotary chair mm -hmm. trying trying giving me vestibular exercises and I mean it helped the definitely the crazy spiral situation stopped but the swaying didn't. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. And I was like, I've spent so much money. I did a, a abdomen ultrasound scan to make sure everything's okay. And then I did um, a MRI on the brain and everything is just normal. Blood tests came back normal and everything. I was very frustrated um, and very sad at that point. Like this is gonna be my life. I used to be so athletic and all, and now I'm just gonna be dizzy all the time. I cannot travel any anywhere by myself anymore. It's sad. Um, and periodically, I would go online to check: is there a, a latest book about vertigo? What is going on? And it just so happens that I saw your book, Rocksteady, that came out not too long ago. I was like, what is this? Um, it's about vertigo and I should read about this. And that's when, when I read it and I go, you know what? I, I didn't never, I have never thought about something called neuroplasticity. I don't know what that is. And you explained it in a very simple and easy to understand way for someone like me who does not have a background in science. I'm an artist. And I was thinking, huh, I wonder if this could work. So I'll give it a try. And I started doing the body scans like you explained early in the chapters. Uh, it's not magic. It doesn't go away in one day or two days. But 
I'm pretty persistent about it. Like, and because you kept repeating in the book too, that you said, everyone is a little different in the healing process. When you go online, it says, oh, you know what? The swaying, it, sometimes it happens with PPPB. It usually go away in two weeks. That didn't happen to me in two weeks or four weeks or mm-hmm. eight weeks. And I was like, I, this is not working for me. What's going on? I'm very abnormal. But you, you say it in such a soothing way. Like, you know what? Everyone is different. Some people take a little longer. And, it's, and you just have to trust that you can do this. And so, I, you know what? I will. I will trust it. Um, I started trying to feel the calmness and the steadiness instead of the, uh, the dizziness in me. Uh, which is, again, simple thing to say, not very easy, especially the dizziness has been with me for a while. So I could actually, I don't have to really want to feel it to feel it. It's, it's just there. And it's very hard to say, oh, just ignore it. it uh, and it's probably not the healthiest way to say, just ignore it, because your brain sort of rebound all of a sudden. It's like, nope, it's still here. Um, so, so it's really, truly trying to feel the breath trying to feel the muscle. Okay, this is my feet on the ground, which is a very strange thing to feel because unless you have dizziness, you don't usually think about these things. Like here's my feet firmly on the ground, but this is what I have to feel it, not just telling myself because I know that amygdala doesn't understand language. Yeah. Um, so you just have to feel it. And I think after about, to me at least, probably after about, a month and a half or so, I could truly sense a slight difference in, wait, I can, there are times when I do things and I go, oh, wait, there is no dizziness. And obviously as human, because I am the way I am, it's like, is there dizziness? And I feel just a little bit of it. And it's like, oh, I screwed it up. I have to do this again. But I think it's really a process. Everyone goes through it a little differently. And, um, I'm still going through the healing process because I'm taking this really slow. I told myself, Maple, what's the rush? You, you can do this. It's not like you're going anywhere. There's still a kind of a pandemic going on. Just take your time one day at a time. Try to feel, feel it. Meditate 10, 15 minutes a day by body scanning, um, feeling the calmness. And I truly think the book helped me in, in this particular direction. And it it helps calm me down as a general. I could definitely feel the steadiness a lot more. Hmm. That's beautiful. So I've got a few comments there. And my first yeah. one is, so if anyone's listening and they've had an experience with BV, there's no harm in trying a YouTube clip. I don't necessarily recommend them because there's so many out there that God knows what you're going to find and how shonky or effective it is but you can treat baby baby using videos Um, and that's the reason in my rocksteady program which is the online program that complements the book there is a full baby baby video kit which teaches people how to identify which ear has the benign paroxysmal positional vertigo which is the loose floating calcium crystals we need to figure out is it the left or the right ear then we need to figure out which canal is affected and then that tells us which maneuver is needed because it's not always the epley and it's not always a generic one size fits all fix we have to specifically and technically understand which ear which canal and then provide a safe gentle home treatment that is not repeated you actually just do it once or maximum twice 
and then you wait for the body to um, give you the signal that it's actually fully resolved. And within 24 hours, certainly within a week, uh, we usually see that completely resolve and go away for good. So that one, it's all about accurate testing and accurate treatment. And I think going to lots of doctors that give you general advice is not going to help. And scouring the internet for general videos is not recommended either. Okay, it's worth trying because you just never know if you luck out, right? So I would say don't put all your hopes in random YouTube videos, but you can treat this at home. You can test yourself at home. You can treat yourself at home. And the reason that's important to know is because I do have clients with recurrent baby baby. It's almost like that's the way they're designed, their body gets intermittent bouts of it. It could be once a year, it could be twice a year, it could be once every five years. But if they're living in fear of it, they stop living their dreams. They stop going on their holidays. They stop, you know, I've had clients who were terrified to leave the postcode or the zip code where their physiotherapist lived because they just felt like they had to be within arm's reach of the physiotherapist in case it happened. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That means you're living in fear and anxiety and it's completely dominating your life and it's treatable, it's simple, it's benign. So learning how to test and treat yourself means it doesn't matter if you're in Thailand or Ireland or Africa, you can be anywhere. You can have that online resource and you can test and treat yourself with complete confidence because you understand your body and your ears and you can just reverse that vertigo almost instantly. So it's important to clarify, you don't need expensive equipment and you don't need to rely on doctors or professionals to help you if this is something you can literally test and treat yourself which as maple can can relate to if we have that empowerment and we understand our body then we have no need for the anxiety and so all the anxiety related dizziness and difficulties actually melt away because that's no longer in the picture so that's just one piece and the second piece is um, maple referred to the amygdala and that's a fancy word for an emotional part of the brain and the emotional part of the brain which is part of our limbic system it's you know it's right between the ears it's filtering a lot of the sensory input we're experiencing in day-to-day -day living whether it's sounds or movement or even intuitively picking up on relationships and context and nuances in conversations and if the limbic system and amygdala ever feel a trigger or a threat that our life is in danger, it will send out certain chemical responses, which can clamp us down and close us off and lead to an anxiety or panic response. And so what can happen in our body if we do have dizzy error messages is those very normal dizzy messages, which, which, which happen for humans when our life is out of balance for whatever reason, the actual signal in our brain and in our body can trigger the limbic system and the amygdala, the emotional brain, to, to kind of cycle into an anxiety spin and into a bit of a panic at, you know, if it catastrophizes. So part of learning how to stop and body scan, as Maple referred to, it's not merely meditation, right? And I've seen thousands of clients and a lot of people try yoga and meditation and get nowhere. So it's not simply meditating. What it is, it's about understanding our body and the sensory messages coming through. And we can't understand them unless we stop and listen to them and pay attention with kindness, with compassion, with patience, with surrender. And as the brain in that limbic system, that amygdala system, that emotional part of our brain, as that starts to receive those signals and sense and feel them from a place of open-mindedness and calm, the chemical systems, the chemical 
cascades change. So rather than going into the old anxiety cycles that could generate panic, um, at you know worst case scenario generate panic and catastrophe, but in a milder situation just make us feel not quite right and a bit tense all day long. Instead of that being our pattern and our new normal, which is horrible and nobody wants to live like that, we actually learn to body scan and sense and feel from a place of loving kindness, curiosity, openness, surrender, acceptance, empowerment. And the chemical release there is much more of a warm, fuzzy oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins, serotonin. It feels good. And we start to get really curious about our body. And we start to say, hey, body, how can I support you? And we, the whole dialogue changes. And with time, we actually automate entirely new neural systems that, you know, um, are different for every person, but very commonly people will say, well, I used to feel tense and anxious and dizzy and unsteady and imbalanced and like my body was screaming at me, but now I feel calm, I feel relaxed, I feel steady, I can concentrate better, I feel clear-headed, I feel ease in my body instead of restriction. So we actually completely change, not just the neural messages, the chemical messages, but the muscular response. So there is a real physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspect to this whole neuroplasticity conversation and the healing process. And that brings me, Maple, back to what we were talking about before we hit record on, you know, this spiritual piece. Like, what does that word even mean? And, like, I'm not particularly a religious person at all, myself personally, Joey. And Maple was saying, I'm not really religious either, but, you know, there's something in this. And I'm just curious, and I can, I'm happy to flesh this conversation out with you, so don't feel put on the spot. <laughs> How has exploring the spiritual piece which for me is your connection to your body your trust in your body your capacity to to say maple we don't need to go to the doctors anymore maple we're gonna we're gonna listen here and we're gonna redirect our belief and our trust here and we're just gonna see where that takes us we're gonna experiment so it's actually shifting that the spirituality is shifting where the belief lies how did that impact you and, and speak a little bit about perhaps the uncertainty around the spiritual part of healing? Um, I definitely, I have my doubts at the beginning because when I first read about it, it's kind of like, is this some sort of pseudoscience thing that I should stay away from altogether? This doesn't sound very scientific. But I know when I was reading your book that a lot of things are based on actual scientific studies of how the brain works, how it functions, etc. And plus, I have I had my medical clearance from the start. I know that I've done all the tests that and the doctors kept coming by and say, you're fine, it's normal, it's benign. And you sort of go, yes, but I can feel the not quite right going on, even if the word benign means very little to me when I'm so dizzy all the time. And my eyes, the back of my eyes seems to hurt. I have no idea what's going on. Um, so, and in your book, you said it's so, in, in such a nice way, which is that trust your body, trust that it can heal. And I was ask, asking myself, well, what have I got to lose? Why don't I try it? And that's when I think I leaned in a little and, you know, I'm going to try it. I'm going to going to imagine the good stuff. Like when I'm giving my friends or family friends a big giant hug. And sometimes I would see that I'm imagining it and then there's a smile on my face because I can almost feel that despite 
we've in over here in Los Angeles part of the world we've been in lockdown mm-hmm. for so long yeah. that um a hug seems like I haven't had it for so long and I like the people interaction so I've been missing that for over a year so when I imagined it it does feel very warm and happy and I I know that uh, you know what I don't know if it's gonna work but I know that I really enjoyed this inner calm and happiness that's going on um and maybe that is kind of the spirituality that a little bit of what we're talking about here just have your body feel that happiness and calmness that that's in you really that's something that I can control um I find that to be pretty amazing (laughs) yeah yeah. I think I think or I feel and this is my personal opinion here another piece to spirituality is the great mystery it's like I think spirituality invites us to not know everything to not have all the answers and I notice some clients that get very caught up on I have to have a diagnosis I have to know how to fix it you know I, I need certainty I want cures I mean those poor people are going to really struggle for a long time because they're not actually holding space for that human element of uncertainty and mystery, which is actually what makes life exciting and full and rich. And it allows our emotional spectrums to broaden and expand instead of living this very rigid life of certainty, you know, which, which in essence is boring and robotic. If we know everything about every part of our day, what's the point of living? So there's there's an there's, there's an anxiety piece, and so I think part of spirituality, which is a personal relationship to yourself, to your body, to the world around you, it's not denominational or religious or institutionalized. Spirituality is a personal connection, um, and I think it holds the space for mystery. And I think our body is our container; it's our vehicle for experience. We can choose to experience life or to numb out and block it. We can choose to ignore what we feel. We can choose to distract what we feel. We can push away what we sense and feel. We can tell our brain, "Uh uh-uh, don't go there. Right. Or we can soften and open up to the mystery and say, okay, let's feel this. And as we feel it, we can say, okay, now I'm sensing and feeling with safety what's arising in my vehicle, in my body. There's a physical change in chemical release in the brain, in the neurons, in the nerve pathways, in the nerve maps, in the nerve patterns. There's a physical change when we choose to stop, pause and feel, right? Mm -hmm. And when we're living in ignoring, distracting, denying, pushing away, medicating, numbing, when we're living that life, it's much more an anxiety and fear response. So what are the chemicals released? The cortical, the, the cortical, ster- the steroids, the adrenalines, like all of the stress hormones and stress patterns. And then what's the physical response? We don't digest as well. You know, our skin doesn't glow as brightly. We don't feel as good. Our muscles tighten up. We get caught up in the fight, flight, freeze. You know, our joints kind of feel rusty. Like there's, there's, there's radical physical consequences to our spirituality. And I think as you've quite rightly phrased, we choose what we believe in. We're in control. This is where we can feel empowered and sovereign. And so I can choose to get curious about what I'm sensing and feeling in my body, my vehicle, or I can choose to not trust it, block it out, numb it, and take any medicine or use any device that's given to me, right? And put the power in the outside world, give my power away. It's still a choice. And I'm not even suggesting there's a right or a wrong 
a good or a bad. Both choices are fine and both choices are perfectly human and both choices will lead to livable outcomes. But I think it's really important to stop and sense physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually what can I control and choosing where we believe, choosing where we focus and choosing how we influence that sensing and feeling process. It's really exciting once we go, oh, my God, I've got this. I, I can actually navigate, cultivate and find my steadiness if I look for it and if I know my body well enough to know where to find it. And you mentioned my feet. So if that works for me, I can use the sensory information that my neurons are firing from my feet and feeding up into my brain that tells my brain at a sensory level, like a touch level, I'm steady right now. And I know that because my feet are telling me. And if I choose to tune into the feet, then I'm activating that part of my brain that's consistent with the neural firing patterns of groundedness. However, if I'm looking for my dizziness, I'm teaching my brain to fire the anxiety loops, the anxiety neurotransmitters and chemicals, and to activate that part of my brain that represents the dizziness message. And I'm teaching my brain to do more of that. And all of this is covered in the book in terms of the science behind the patterning and the, the synchronicity of firing and how where we choose to put our attention impacts that physical response and that physiological response that we're living with. So I, I find, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, Maple, but I find it really exciting. And I actually remember the moment, like I remember the moment sitting in my car, returning to my breath, kind of really just dropping in with an exhale into my presence and into my reality and thinking, wow, I completely just overrode my dizziness. Like I was going through a vertigo thing in the car and I just chose to sit back and exhale and like drop my buttocks into the car seat and feel, feel the seatbelt and just feel the steering wheel. And I was like, I'm so fine right now. And the dizziness just completely disappeared. And it was like, I completely intercepted the dizzy signal and I overrode it with my, my body scanning, my presence, my reality, which was, I am safe. No need for anxiety, no need for fear. So my amygdala, my limbic system, my emotional brain got the message and I felt the lovely dopamine and endorphin and serotonin release. And I was like, ah, wow, I just did that. That was amazing. So I think it's exciting. Once you get the feeling of changing your brain, changing your body and changing how you sense and feel, doesn't actually matter how you do it. There's no rule book, it, but it feels amazing. And I think the proof is in the pudding. And you mentioned, I could just imagine cuddling a friend, right? And someone might be like, well, that's just in the head. Well, yeah, all of your neurons are in your head. All of your neurotransmitters are in your head and you can use visualization. That's a strategy. I don't personally use that too much, but many of my clients have fantastic results with visualization. So there's no right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? So how does, how has that landed for you, this living with uncertainty, this trial and error, and those moments of going, oh my God, I'm making a difference. Like I'm in control of my healing. Um, wait, what was the, what was the question? <laughs> I, want to, I want you to talk about those moments of going, I'm making a difference. I'm actually controlling ah. this. Like I have the switch and I can turn my anxiety on, or I can turn my steadiness on, or I can I can navigate this like I'm in control. I want you to to speak about when you're really 
taking your healing and driving it forward? Um, I know that every time, because I definitely do the body scan every day in a very consistent way. It's like, it's only 10 to 15 minutes. Just, just do it. And I find that it's actually, it's, you have to do it not from a, oh, I have to do this again. It's more like, it's kind of an enjoyable experience because it's a little exploration for just 10 or 15 minutes a day. I'll just give my body a little time, sit and the body scan part is really just not except, not really just trying to fix anything, but trying to observe what's going on. And I think from minute ones all the way to, let's say the end of the 10th minute, that's when I, when I can actually feel that difference in terms of the calmness. I can, I can actually, it's, I can actually be more in sync with that kind of feeling. And that's amazing. I remember not too long ago, July 4th, it was uh, Independence Day in America. Mm -hmm. And I was at a family's friend's house. She was having a barbecue. And I was just standing on that balcony and thinking to myself all of a sudden, you know, I feel really calm and joyful right now and very steady. That hasn't happened for a long while considering since I had BPPD starting last year, I was like, wow, Maple, good job. You've come a long way. And I remember being very happy at that moment um, that the body scans and everything, it, it does work. Um, and I do, I do really like it when you mentioned in the book that first of all, do a medical clearance. That's very important because we're not, it, you're not just telling us to, okay, don't go to the doctor and do this. Like, no, go to the doctor and all the doctors have your best interest in in their hearts. Truly, I do believe that they they, they do try to fix you. Um, they're just doing it in the in the method that they know how to do, and it might not work for everyone. And in my case, it didn't work. That doesn't mean that they're trying to scam me or anything. It just means that their method, their pills, it didn't work for me. Um, but you know, you just have to take it one step at a time and go. Okay, medical clearance. I'm. Nothing's physically wrong. Now it's up to me in my spirituality to try to find a way to lead the life that I want to lead. In this particular case, it's the calmness and the steadiness. Um, it's, I think it's a very, I, I love it that you kept telling us that in the book, it's like, be gentle, be, gent be kind to yourself. And I was thinking, am I not kind to myself? All I want is to heal very quickly. Is that not, is that not kind? Um, but apparently that maybe that rush might be a little too much because you want it so much and you want it now. Um, so, well, you, you know, you just have to take it back a little. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because if we boil it down, that, you know, I just want to heal. I just, I don't want to give up. I just, you know, I don't want to, let myself down. I've got to push, push, push until I, I'm normal. I want to go back to the way I was. That really pushy, ambitious attitude is super normal. And probably to a certain extent, almost everybody goes through a phase of that. But if you think about it, underlying all of that dialogue and that self-talk, which is part of our mental healing and through the Rocksteady process and the Rocksteady program, we have to really understand our mental constructs as part of healing. Um, and underneath that, is really, I don't like the way you are right now, Maple. 
you should be different. You are fundamentally wrong. You need a fix. You're abnormal. And I'm over this already. So get better yesterday. Like it's actually, there's a, there's a, the, the sentiment and the essence of the message is almost like a school bully, right? Right. You don't do that on purpose. Like this is all subconscious, non-intentional. It's not like Maple's being mean to herself or Joey's being mean to herself because we have this. It's about pulling that voice aside and saying, actually, I'm allowed to feel this right now. It's been a really stressful year. You know, my work's changed. Perhaps my relationships have changed. Perhaps my relationship to my body has changed. It's okay that I feel this. And I'm going to feel this for as long as I need to feel it. But what I am going to do is feel it, not judge it, not rush it, not push it, not force it, not change it, not try and fix it. I'm going to feel it. Because by pausing and sensing and feeling, my brain can identify that it's safe and change its neurological reaction to it. Now, what I don't think has been clear in this conversation and what Maple alluded to is with time, practice and consistency, we hardwire completely new neural patterns that feel like a new normal. Not that Maple or Joey can ever return back to the way they were, right? I can't turn back the clock and suddenly be 20 years old again. That's just a terrible goal. It's not functional. We don't do time travel. But what we do do is we recreate a new normal, which is the title of Chapter 10. We have to learn how to get over this illusion of returning back to the way we were or the person we were or how we used to feel, this old illusion of normal. And we have to actually throw that in the rubbish bin and create and design an entirely new normal. And often my clients will say it's far better. So they come out through the Rocksteady process feeling taller, feeling stronger, feeling more courageous, more compassionate, more heart-centered, more loving, more joyful, more open, more grounded. These are all things they never connected to. And I think that's the other missing word. You were talking about kind of going through the body scan and the first minute can be a bit chaotic and fluttery and oh, the mind's busy. And then by that 10th minute, we're really connected. We're really dropped in. And it's something that we miss in daily life unless we really choose to drop in, pause, sense and feel. And we can live day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year and never really feel what's truly going on in our vehicle, in our body. And which makes us very vulnerable to the outside world because we can end up making choices and decisions based on what other people think we should be which means we're never really authentic or honest with ourselves and living the life we really want to lead. So it's no wonder our body is screaming at us, right? And again, this brings us back to that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual intersection and interaction. It's, it's all connected. So where our beliefs lie impacts our emotional response, impacts our mental constructs and thought patterns and worry patterns or ideas or beliefs or encouragement. And all of that impacts the physio physiology and physical patterns. So it's, um, to me, it's just a really logical kind of basket, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's all weaved in together. You can't really have one without the other. And to be honest, even those people, and I, you know, I've met lots of different people all over the world with different perspectives and different ages and different genders or non-binary. And... You know, some people just literally don't believe they can heal themselves. They're completely rigidly cut off to that concept. They're not open to the conversation. They're not open to the idea of it. They think neuroplasticity is a crock. 
Um, but, and the, the funny thing is, is that's still a spirituality. Like that rigid belief system is still a version of spirituality. It's just one that doesn't open them up to the possibility of healing. It's one that maintains a closure that it's not possible or unless some scientific cure or scientific miracle is invented, they're stuck and disempowered. So I think it's, it's really important to recognize for everybody listening, it doesn't actually matter where you are on the spectrum of belief. You're still operating in a spiritual conversation and on the spiritual spectrum. So there's no such thing as not being spiritual. Our belief systems drive everything. I think our belief systems are actually the beginning point of our feelings, our desires, our motivations, our enthusiasms, and what we're willing to actually get up and do. So it really impacts our behaviors and our actions or lack of. So I think, you know, congratulations for finding the book, reading the book and having that motivation and that enthusiasm to take 10 or 15 minutes a day for yourself. You know, that's, it's, it's simple, but not easy. Just like a lot of things in life, you know, wake up early in the morning, go to bed early, eat veggies, you know, exercise 30 minutes a day. Everything, it's, it's simple, but to do it on a day-to-day basis, you know, just, just try it. I, I think that's, that's all it counts. Like be very little persistence, just, just try it only 10, 15, 15 minutes a day for the start. And I think maybe as you, as I progress, maybe I'll spend a little bit more time on it. Who knows? It's all part of a healing journey. Um, and, and all you got to do is try. <laughs> yeah, my, my experience is actually that it gets easy. So it starts off definitely as challenging. Or it starts off a bit exciting, like a new boyfriend or girlfriend. It's a bit like, <laughs> ooh, you know, let's try this new and exciting thing. <laughs> then the, like the new relationship hormones and chemicals die off a bit and it's like oh do I have to keep doing this and we, we can go through a bit of a slump and that's definitely challenging because that's you know the tedium testing our patience is testing our belief and trust in ourselves and even though we're seeing improvements when we might be like well they're not enough they're not fast enough and we start judging ourselves and then we've got to bring the kindness back bring the gentleness back and notice the judgments hold it lightly and my experience is with time it actually becomes automated it becomes easy because it's an automated way of life we're no longer doing body scans we're actually living with a consistent capacity to check in any moment any hour any body position any country we have the capacity to choose to feel 24 7 so what what might start as a formal 10 minute practice actually becomes a way of life and that 10 or 15 minute practice can also become our refuge our sanctuary from the busy world that's overstimulating and telling us who we should be and what we should do and it's exhausting and overwhelming and sometimes we're like you know what I just want to go back to me because this is my sanctuary so my experience is it actually becomes easier it becomes automated and it becomes a real honoring of who we are as a human rather than some thing we tell ourselves we should do because we're abnormal Right. And that's all that's all part of the healing process is shifting from the shoulds and really um, moving much more towards desire. I desire this. I want to feel. Mm. And so, yeah, so keep going, Maple. It sounds like you're really on track. I'm so glad that you're, you're having those days and moments of saying, well, you know, I feel happy. I feel calm. I feel steady. Like my neural system is changing. 
Absolutely. And I have um, evidence of that, you know, that they're those moments to celebrate and hold on to because we expect you to get more and more of them until they really become hardwired. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Any last words um, or, or any last statements on kind of like what the books left you with? Like any, any, um, I, I yeah. do really want to say that I really love it. Uh, that's, there were times when it feels like each chapter of the book feels a little bit like a yoga session to me. I'm not a big yogi myself, but I know when I go into, every time you go into a yoga session, all right, we're gonna first time, it's just part of the information is a little repetitive and I like it because it's very slow in terms of trying to tell you, don't worry, this is what's going on and you can do this, be gentle to yourself. Um, it's really soothing, I have to say, um, because I've read a lot of other books on stress and neuroplasticity since, and they are great books too, but they are very scientific facts, one thing after another. And especially when my brain was still trying to figure out a lot of things within all the dizziness, it's really hard to take in all those scientific and data information. But uh, it, in your book, it's really easy to follow and understand what's going on, what can help. All right, now take the time to do these steps very slowly. And if it doesn't work, that's okay too. Maybe put, put the book down and try again an hour later or maybe tomorrow or maybe in a week. There's no rush. You can heal. Take Everyone is a little different, so take your time. And I do really appreciate it because it helped me tremendously when I was going through a very desperate and lonely time. Yeah, I'm so pleased that you're not that you that you've moved beyond that really uh, <laughs> sticky pain point of feeling like, oh my god, this is me forever. I'm just never going to feel myself. And it I'm did, so especially when you're perusing a lot of different forums online. Yeah. That just like, oh, it's been years. There's no cure. I don't know why that is. And I go through both forums in English and Chinese because I can also read that language. And they're both like really just the same thing. And even though the logical part of me says, well, maple, maybe people who were healed don't just go online randomly and said, oh, I'm healed. I haven't had an episode for the last five years because we're human. We don't do that. So it, we only make a comment when things are not right. So that's all I see on the forums, which brings me to, and then that, that's how I discovered there's a, a Facebook forum and that's when I wrote a thank you note after reading it for a little while because it's very positive. And I do truly appreciate it because you can see that there are a lot of people who are going through a similar journey and they are healing. Yeah. So it's, it gives hope. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Word of warning, be careful which forums you sign up to. You don't believe the rubbish out there you don't even need a cure for these symptoms cure is the entirely wrong word all we need to do is to change our neural networks to build new neural pathways and to redesign and rewire our new normal and what happens is we then return to normal and we override the symptoms so the symptoms become a thing of the past that we no longer really worry about and if they do come and go they come and go in a normal context like a normal person that might get the odd bit of dizziness or tinnitus in their daily life, but it's really no big deal and it comes and goes uh, flippantly. So redesigning these neural pathways to me is not a cure. Cure implies 
there's something very abnormal that needs an elimination. And since there's a rigidity about the word cure, healing to me is a much more gentle term that that implies, okay, well, currently my neural systems and patterns are set up like so. That's not working for me, so I'm going to choose to redesign it and recraft it. And I'm going to cultivate new patterns that I choose based on the sensations I want to feel. And that all comes about in Chapter 2. And you start those exercises in Chapter 2. And you build on that in the whole book. And then for people who want to go deeper, they might try the Rocksteady program, which is an incredible peer support group. And we have Q&A calls every month where we get together, talk about our home practices. People bring forwards any of their difficulties or challenges, but also sharing how we're healing and our insights and our gratitude and you know evidence that this is working because it's so lovely to hear people share how they're healing and how that's manifesting for them because we're so different but you know it's also inspiring sometimes people will ask questions or have ideas and then other members will be like oh I never thought to do that I'm going to give that a try might not work for me but I'm inspired I'm going to try something like that myself and so it's really good to have that cross-pollination of hope inspiration enthusiasm and just practical day-to-day ideas of how to change neural pathways and strengthen them so yeah and I would love to get my book translated into Cantonese or Mandarin so let's <laughs> fingers crossed that will happen we've got translations yeah we've got translations coming through for a bunch of European languages but I'm really hoping we we get the full spectrum for global global reach because it really is it's in, it's an insanely common issue on every continent, in every language, every gender, it's just, it's a, this is a human experience and it just baffles me that it's so poorly discussed. The conversation is not loud enough and a lot of people are really suffering in silence. So if you know someone with vertigo, tinnitus or dizziness feeling not quite right, get them a copy of this book. We're actually re-releasing a second print run early September, September 7th, 2021, along with releasing the audio book of Rocksteady. So it's pretty exciting times. You can pre-order the book now. I'll pop a link below on this interview. Thank you so much for your time, Maple. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. Visit my website for loads of resources, information about the book, and, of course, the more comprehensive and full Rocksteady program. So it's a short bye for now. Bye.